and welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Ronnie and Tina and Lori about the King and Stram Generation Development Team. It's a super cool team and a really awesome project. So we just wanted to highlight that a little bit and hopefully everybody learned something and is excited to follow those riders and that team in the future. Today, we're back to talking about bike racing. We had a very exciting stage race over the weekend, plus a couple one days leading up to it. And we've got another stage race coming up. Before we dive into all of that, my name is Abby Mickey. I don't know if I said that already. It's fine. (laughs) And I am joined by (laughs) Amy Jones. Hello. Back in G-Town. Yep. Back in the summer. Well, I mean, you were in the the check looked nice. It was like. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. Everyone should go. So did actually the UK while you were there. The sun just follows me. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren Rowney. Good morning, everyone. This sun gets her, Amy. And Gracie Elvin. Hey, hey, it feels like more than two weeks since we chatted. Anything more than a week feels like forever. <laughs> it's true. We could record like the whole, what, 15 minute lead up to when we actually start, re- start, you know, recording. And I liked, I like Lauren's idea about having bloopers at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> Some of it's perhaps um, unrecordable though. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it, some of it would have to be, definitely have to be deleted. Some of it, if we shared it with you, we'd have to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the parts we can share are bike racing related. So we're going to talk about Itzulia. Well, I'm not going to do a rundown. I'm not going to do like a from memory stages (laughs) because I feel like with stage races, it can get pretty tricky. But Demi Vollering won all three stages and the overall and I think we can talk about that first because that is, we've been a little bit skeptical of whether or not she can put in dominant performances like Anna Vandebregen. And I think that this is a really interesting conversation uh, coming out of Azulia because she was, it looks like her form is coming in just in time. Definitely. I wouldn't say head and shoulders, but head above the rest in this tour but there were some notable riders that were not there too so I don't know I feel like for sure she's coming into form but it's going to be a bit more telling in races where you know you've got all the favorites there but it's certainly going to help her more than anything boost her confidence coming into the the bigger races so yeah but I don't know I think there was some really interesting performance performances other than Demi Vollering as well in this race. Yeah, I think despite like her winning all three stages, it wasn't actually like she wasn't I wouldn't have called her performance dominant. The only day that was really she was head and shoulders above everybody was I feel the final day, but she mostly just out descended everyone. Mm. I mean, she waited until the waited until the climb was almost over when she attacked and basically just descended faster and she didn't win by like a minute. She only won by a handful of seconds. So I feel like the general classification, even though she won all three stages was still relatively open. And if there had been a couple other big names there, it wouldn't have been the Demi Vollering show. I feel like, and still I'm really excited to see her ride this well because I feel like her and Van Vluten will be an interesting duo going into the big stage races this summer. Yeah, I think the result sheet belies the how open the race actually because it was pretty open. Like I mean we thought it would be going into the race because the big names weren't there like Anamique or like not all of them. I expected a bit more from Marta Cavalli after uh how she was going during the classics. Um I would have on paper put her down as like the main rival to Vollerin, but it turned out that Paulina Royekas did an amazing job at at least trying to to thwart Demi. I think so. there's some writers like Demi at least, um, like you said, Abby, we were skeptical about how she was gonna go up against Annemiek van Vluten. I'd say she's had a steadier start to the year, like a slower build. Um, and obviously has the Tour de France high on her priority list. I mean, I don't see who else would top her from SD Works. And I would say the same for Paulina Royakas. 
she had an incredible performance, but maybe Marta Cavalli, she had a pretty strong spring, has come down a little bit and is rebuilding again. So maybe that's just why we weren't seeing her climbing as well as she potentially could. Yeah, I feel like FDJ, maybe something went wrong on the first day and we didn't really see a ton of live coverage for the race. Um, but FDJ on the on the first mm-hmm. st- stage were basically nowhere. So I think that they kind of started on the back foot and then Marta Cavalli came around for the final two stages. But but yeah, I, I was surprised to not see her being a little bit more aggressive. I mean, the most aggressive mm. rider in the race was Vollering. Like, she attacked a bunch on the second and third stage. The second stage, she was just trying to get a gap on, a, a bigger gap on Rarkis, which I don't think she's much of a threat, especially with this third stage ending in a descent, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I was bummed to not see Cavalli be a little bit more aggressive, just mm-hmm. given how she rode in the spring. One of the things that um, makes Vollering's performance that so exceptional at this race, though, is that the team only had four riders. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting how the teams, like, organized themselves for, like, all the races that were on last week, basically, because FDJ sort of split their team between France and Spain as well. So I don't know how much that might have affected things for Cavalli in terms of like the team that she was, that she had throughout the classics wasn't all at that race. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, I feel like the, this we're getting into the time of year where it's going to be really interesting how teams kind of delegate who does what and what everyone's roles are because yeah we have we're coming into the time where we've got stage races which are a lot more taxing on the teams especially staff and like when it comes to vehicles and stuff um and there's just so much racing so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with teams this summer but sd works starting with only four riders and then putting in the performance that they did i mean they Marlon Russo was supposed to start uh and and couldn't and there was one other rider who was supposed to start that didn't but like the plan wasn't to go in with four but with the four that they had they were still one of the they were still they still had the numbers in every single selection um and I think part of that was because it was a climbing race and they had you know Anna Shackley, Nee Fisher Black and Ashley Moon Passio were three of the strongest climbers in the peloton so they had the perfect team for this course. But the fact that Volering was able to win all three stages and, and SC Works was able to take home two jerseys with the young rider jersey as well as a leader's jersey with only four riders is pretty Demi took the points as well. Telling. Mm-hmm. Oh, three jerseys. Well, hot damn. I've been really enjoying watching Nee Fisher Black, actually. I think she has a really Ding. great sense of timing. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's like she's just continuing to be such an impressive rider. And she said in her post race interview for, I think it was stage two that she hopes she can stand on the top step like Demi someday. And I really think that yeah. she's building up to that point. Um, and I hope that she does, especially in the stage races coming up, because there are more opportunities. I hope that she does get an opportunity to race for. Yeah, she just always has really well-timed attacks that, um, you know, potential winning attacks in the future, but she's certainly doing her her team role really well from every time I watch her race. So I think she's a big asset to that team and she's set up quite a few of Demi's attacks that have been successful attacks, which is, I find that really interesting to watch. And, yeah, I, I feel that Demi's not getting particularly the same support from Ashley, actually. So for someone that is, you know, a stronger rider than Neve currently, it's just a di- totally different dynamic, like for the for a similar role. What do you think about the way that they played that in this race? Because we were critical of it in the Ardennes. They seem to be like mm-hmm. not super coordinated with one another. Like, yeah, what do we think about the way they played that in this race? I don't know. I mean, the stage, the stage one situation where 
Ashley and Demi were both in a breakaway with Shabby and uh, yeah. was it Faulkner? I don't. I think she was only in the second breakaway, but that that situation was really interesting. Um, I think it's hard to tell because we didn't get to see enough of the race to see how they were working together. But I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that those two gel well together it, with the body language that they have racing in the same race. It's not the same as, as Demi and Anna. For just example. don't seem to be as in tune. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And Ashley seems like she's yeah. in her career best form this season. She's, you know, super sharp and she's really strong and she could definitely get her own results too. Um, but I just feel like they don't quite play her the, the way that, I don't know, is beneficial to the team and to Ashley. Or, or yeah, I don't know. It's just, I think you're right. It's just not the, not gelling well or I don't know what it is. Just the, the timing's off feels like <laughs> with those two. And on her part as well, I'm sure it's probably a bit frustrating to kind of know that you're in such good form and know mm. what you can do and always have to work for somebody else. Um, which, yeah, it, anyone would feel a little bit kind of not resentful. That's a bit strong, but like, yeah, you're going to get a bit frustrated with that situation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you have your own ambitions and this does happen, um, and if you're not gelling with a teammate, then you're not going to give a hundred percent all the time and that's probably a little bit of what we're seeing it's ashley's last year racing on the road demi yeah. is basically at the start of her career and ashley's been you know been playing this role i mean she's been a leader on former teams in the past for sure but she's both used to playing the leader and also used to being the backup and i think for her it would be frustrating to have a younger rider who's riding equally as well maybe but just has a little bit more uh potential to win or a little bit more of a history of winning if that makes sense and yeah I don't know I think there's a little bit of that in play I I I, like haven't obviously I don't know how Ashley feels but just based on people that I've known in similar situations in the past, I could see that being, I mean, bike riders, they're just human. <laughs> we're, we're all just humans. Um, yeah. Let's forget she's yet to win a world tour race. It's a bit unfortunate last year. She won that stage of the Giro, but yeah, it wasn't a world tour. Mm, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, I think she will. I think she will win a stage of something coming up. We've got so much racing coming up. It's just like, wild <laughs> so much world tour racing coming up i'd like to see her get a chance in the tour like a stage like the the planche de belfield one would suit her but then but then that's gonna be a decisive that. yeah that will be decisive for the gc yeah. so if they're riding for volering there then she won't have her day i'm no. guessing even um, the day before as well yeah so. Maybe in like Scandinavia or something. Burgos? Yeah, maybe even Burgos. I mean, the final stage of Burgos, maybe like Demi just won all three stages of Itzulia. I think that they could probably give Ashley a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. at Burgos, maybe. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they delegate. Another team that will be interesting to see how they kind of uh manage the the talent that they have and the potential that they have is uh canyon stram with paulina rarkis who had an incredible three days i mean the second day in particular she was following every single move that demi made because demi was trying so hard to get a little bit more time on her and she was on it every single time she even made an attack in the end to try to win the stage. And I mean, she was great. And then we've got Kasia coming back in to race Burgos. So that's going to be really interesting to see how the team handles the two of them, especially because they have Paulina might be a better climber than Kasia, but if there's any descents, then yeah. <laughs> Kasia has the upper hand there. Yeah, the descending, she's going to have to work on that. But I feel like she must have been to this point kind of like 
I hate to like pick on her so much for the descending, but it's just so, it's just so obvious that it's, it's like a really big. It's a big part of racing. Like no, no doubt Canyon will be working with her on this because um, they've had previous riders who are super talented, super strong, but I don't know if I'm guessing Royaka's maybe is coming to the sport a little bit later. I'm not sure. But she, she doesn't have the, the confidence um, at all in descending. And I know that they invest a lot um, in their athletes if they do have uh, certain, uh, what's the word, lacking in certain areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a shame because unless it's a mountaintop finish, she's going to lose a lot of time on those descents. And having her on the team now, I think for Cassia, like that was one area that we've always spoken about is on those really hilly uh, stages, she's always lacking the support. So to have Paulina there and potentially Shabby um, and hopefully some of those younger riders as well will will start, you know, getting up there too. Yeah, Paulina was a real star this tour and I'm sure she knows that she needs to work on her descending. Um, but what the, the dynamic that I also found interesting was her and um, Demi because they're actually good friends and mm. they have trained a lot in the past together. I'm not sure how much they trained together this year, but I was actually wondering in that finish of the stage one whether um, Demi would, you know, just kind of help let her get the win. But, you know, it's a well tour race and Demi she she just overpowered her in the sprint finish and I was a little bit disappointed in some ways because Demi didn't need the win she she probably could have taken the tour overall without that but um yeah I find that really interesting when you have genuine friends on the road but you have to switch into that professional killer mode it's not personal so yeah I think for the whole tour, they were quite competitive together and I'm sure they're going to have a good laugh about it afterwards, but I'm sure that's quite difficult in some ways to to take opportunities away from a friend. Yeah, when you're a similar rider. I mean, I was never a threat to, to Carly being such a good hill climber. There was no chance that we were ever going to go head-to-head in a race, so I'm not sure how that would feel. What are you talking about? Carly was a great sprinter. <laughs> I did. There was one <laughs> instance where she might possibly have taken a stage in France, but I had to chase her down for Rachel Nalen. So, yeah, that was hard. <laughs> I always found it fun racing against friends. I have a very, very specific memory of this one stage of the Colorado Classic when my director kept saying in my ear, Abby, attack. And so I kept attacking and Ruth rode up next to me and she was like, what the F are you doing? Stop attacking on descents. Attack when it's when it will work. Why are you doing this? You're wasting your energy. <laughs> if a friend was going to gift me a win at a race, they'd have to push me all the way to the line. So. <laughs> Speaking of riders who, or speaking of teams who are kind of like, have, have a very interesting situation going ahead, I would say Bike Exchange is another one that I was intrigued with over the week because obviously we talked about on the spring wrap-up episode that Amanda Spratt is finally coming back into form after her iliac artery surgeries and she's hopefully, all fingers crossed, in a completely biased, I really want to see her back, <laughs> back to her winning ways, uh, but she's coming back hopefully for these races and then we've got Faulkner who was another one of the most impressive riders this week and in the one days I mean she was she was the one who attacked on the first day that made that selection with Rakus and with Demi and she was really really impressive on the third day as well so that's kind of interesting for bike exchange that they now have they had a pretty disappointing spring but they've definitely got a few cards to potentially play the upcoming races and is still and still a lot of question marks I feel over how the team is going to go I would say I mean I wouldn't use disappointing because I thought they they actually raced better together in the spring I guess Gracie can probably speak to this but with that influx of new riders okay they didn't win races or get big podiums but it was just nice to see the young talent and maybe I'm biased here um 
riding so well in the spring and like riding better together and yeah seeing spratty slowly but surely clawing her way back up to the top but uh yeah i agree with you once bike exchange are back to full strength and they have amanda spratt back to her usual form um and sebastian as well and then kristen faulkner they're gonna have some good riders there that will be in the mix yeah and in one of the one days um they had actually the in the first of the one days they had three riders in the chase originally after gigante had attacked they have numbers they're gaining in numbers but it's it's just the the actual results that haven't come yet but i think based on how Mm -hmm. faulkner rode that they will be winning a race at some point in the future uh i guess other talking point is definitely trek yeah um they might be in trouble (laughs) a little bit (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Shirin was in, in the break in the last day, which was great. Um, they obviously didn't have like their quote unquote, a team at the race. Uh, Elise Longaborghini is gearing up for the tour de France femme in the Giro and Audrey as well is kind of, uh, I think she was just doing a training block. So they didn't have some of their strongest riders. Ellen is doing the hour record next week. So they didn't have those three. Um, but, and, and Leia Thomas is still coming back from her surgery. So they still have, uh, it's not like their stage racing is doomed this season, but it didn't. The only rider who was kind of like up there was Lucinda Brand, but she can't climb like this race needed. That, that goes back to the earlier point about kind of teams having to bring like reduced Mm. squads and, the fact that essentially the conclusion to draw from that is that teams need to hire more riders going forward. Otherwise, yeah. like if, if the world tour calendar is going to be this stacked and especially with stage races, then yeah, it's going to be interesting because obviously that also depends on budget. I mean, it just means that the, that a lot of the stage, a lot of the world tour races are not going to be attracting top talent, which kind of means that there's going to be a hierarchy within the world tour stage races of which ones are like valued more than others which is fine we kind of have that already except that it just it it is kind of a bummer I mean there are races that put on really really good races and because they're where they are in the calendar or something they just don't attract you know the best of the best kind of the women's tour comes to mind it's like they don't often get a stacked field at the women's tour because it's when it's in the calendar in June, it's right before the Giro and a lot of the best riders are getting ready for that. But there needs to be, I feel like some kind of incentive for riders, for teams to want to bring their best riders to, to more races, if that makes sense. Or, Well, it's on the men's side, obviously they find world tour teams for not turning up to world tour race. I don't think that's the answer because like that's really counterintuitive there's already a problem with budget and money and everything so and if it's not if it's literally impossible like then there's no point doing that but it also begs the question of like do we it have there has there been like too big of a jump in how many world tour days race days there are this year like uh, some of these races you kind of are like do they need to be world tour like I mean, we've had this conversation before, but yeah, the kind of scramble for everything, every team, every race to be world tour, maybe not necessarily the best thing. I don't know if this race needed to be world tour, but maybe I'm saying that because of the race director and his comments. (laughs) Yeah, he, he made some comments. He made some questionable comments and the race actually had to issue an apology and I think that that is super disappointing coming from a world tour race, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do think that they, they've they added too many world tour race races to the calendar too quickly. You want to let the listeners know what his comments were? <laughs> Amy wrote the story. Amy, what did he say? Madre mia. Um, he said that... 
that he'd basically been forced to put the race on um, and that adding more women's races or kind of men's organisers being encouraged to have a women's race too was a trend or a fashion. Um, Yeah, basically just really sexist comments about the fact that he's like, I'm putting this race on, but I don't like it, right? (laughs) Well, he just (laughs) looks bad in that situation because that means he succumbed to peer pressure, which is very uncool. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, why do you smoke? There's only one reason why you smoke. It's because of peer pressure and that makes it inherently uncool. I thought it was really cool in school (laughs) when I did that. Yeah, because peer pressure. You just prove Gracie's point. Don't lump me and this guy in the same boat. No, I mean, it's just disappointing. (laughs) It's just disappointing from from someone who's like literally putting the race on to hear that they they don't care, (laughs) that they don't, um, they're not excited about it. And I mean, we've had similar comments from uh, Christian Prudhomme about the Tour de France femme. So it's, Mm-hmm. yeah which yeah that one's that one's still I, I'm still like 100% behind the Tour de France femme because of Zwift and the resources they're putting into it and I just feel like because of Paris-Roubaix we can see that when Zwift is involved it there is more passion <laughs> kind of injected into the event well on that note I mean the coverage like you know, they did, they just did the bare minimum for this race. They did the hour or whatever. Yeah. We saw what, like 30 Ks of the race? Yeah. The, the last day, I think we only saw like 18 or 19 K. Mm. Which is unsurprising if this guy didn't really want to run the race in the first place. Yeah. Right. So, which goes back to your initial question, Amy, is do we need all these world tour races? Well, no, we don't. Particularly if people like him are feeling like they're forced to do something then we, we don't need the race, actually. Not of Walter level, but if you're going to run the race, then at least, I don't know, hire someone else to do the, the race directing, like with the Women's Tour de France. It's... Um, Marion. I forgot her name. Marion. Yeah. yeah. So someone who actually has passion for the sport of women's cycling. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It looked like actually a really nice race. Like it, the courses... Yeah. Look- good and it, you know, people I are. Know, I haven't, yeah, I haven't heard from the riders but it looked quite safe and interesting something so, new for the riders which is yeah. I mean Gracie you raced for almost 10 years doing the same races over and over again which is great like particularly with the classics because they're very special but sometimes when a new race comes on the calendar and of course like with the women's tour de France everyone's excited about the hype around it but it is a new race it's in new places you you're not going to know what to expect um it's all fresh so uh men i think the men's cycling don't have that as much which makes it a bit more exciting for women's cycling we are in this weird situation in women's cycling that we've talked about this many times about the growth and the yeah yes yeah it feels a bit like a something of a limbo it does. Or a transition or yeah we've, we've said this before but we do want more stage races like don't get us wrong people listening because that's something that was really lacking for a period there there wasn't that many stage races um so we need them and we want them but you wait for a stage race and about six come along <laughs> yeah at the same time well i think what we have the azulia last weekend now we've got burgos Turrigan, which is not world tour, and then women's tour. And Ride um, London is three days instead of one. Ride London, yeah. then the Giro. Yeah, it's all happening. Yeah, yeah. A lot of racing. Pray for us. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and the riders. <laughs> well, back to the race, there's a couple more things I think we should talk about before we before we kind of talk about Burgos coming up. One of them is um, we've, we've talked about them in the past, but Valkar is apparently just like – I don't know who their talent spotter is, <laughs> but they are so good at finding these up and coming riders. And Olivia Barrel, who was second on the second stage, is another super exciting young rider coming up, Canadian. So I feel particularly invested in her career now. 
Um, but she, she rode super well on the second day. And I think that she's, yeah, she's one to watch for the races coming up for sure. Also, Veronica Ewers from Ear. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Yeah, so she she won the final, the second final stage of Eliza, Elza Jacobs. So she's already like got a win on her Palmars, Pal, Pal, Palmares, oh, whatever. But then she won the <laughs> Navarra Classic, the second of the one days last week, and was second on the the to Sarah Gigante the day before. So she's like incredible. On the rise. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really impressive. And I mean, the, the group, the third stage of Azulia for me was one of the most interesting when it came to climbers, because that final climb that they had on the stage was really selective. And the group kind of on that final climb are the people that we're going to be looking at when it comes to the final stage of Burgos, which ends in a huge mountaintop, the Giro and the Tour de France Femme, which both have some good amount of climbing. Obviously, the Tour de France Femmes is all, like, back-ended to the later half of the race, which will be interesting with Urs because she's very new. And I think that it might favor riders who have a little bit more experience when it comes to lengthy stage races. But uh, the group, the climbing group on that final stage was, I mean, it was big. There was a lot of riders there. I mean, in the past, I think we would have seen like a way smaller group or Demi would have been able to ride away a lot sooner, but there was many, many riders that were able to hold on. And then the groups that came back together towards the finish, I mean, the, the final group chasing Demi was quite large and yeah, Veronica Ewers was in there. She's exciting. She's, a, yeah. she's an exciting and we're still climber. missing a few climbers too. Yeah, so yeah. going back to previous conversations where we had these hilly stages um and you know you could count on one hand probably who was going to be there but there's just more and more riders that are going to be present i guess that's one of the bonuses of having so many world tour races is there's better opportunities for people in these you know lesser known races like to get they're getting world tour results Mm -hmm. so that'll look good (laughs) like you're saying on their palmares (laughs) Yeah, the other rider who rode really well in the Spanish one days was Sarah Gigante, who won the first of the two. Um, and she unfortunately was got sick at, at Zulia and had to didn't start the second stage. But she, she's obviously an incredible climber. So going into the next couple races, she's she'll be it'll be interesting to see how what role the team kind of puts her in, especially since Van Vluten won't be at Burgos because she's still mm-hmm. coming back from her surgery. I was more impressed, I think, with the with the one days than because mostly because there was more live coverage, which we don't have to we don't have to keep harping on that. But those one days were really exciting. I felt like, yeah, and we've got one today as we're recording. Today is Tuesday, May seventeenth, and today is Durango, Durango. Ah, right. It's today. Is that right, Amy? Yeah. 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 It's not on GCN, but it is on YouTube. So there's some kind of live coverage. Ooh, heck. Typically, this is the race that starts really late in the afternoon, right? Yes. It used to finish at like <laughs> 8 o'clock at night well or something. Me. I hated it. <laughs> no, I just mean yeah, it was right. Right. Oh, yeah. You're, you're waiting all day to race. <laughs> You just feel gross because you ate too much all day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When you can't sleep. That was always the worst part about like night crits. Like night crits are the worst because you're like, what? I don't know how to time the eating schedule. Honestly, I could go on for days about how like then the way and the things you need to eat for racing were like probably a good 40% of the reason that I stopped doing it. (laughs) <laughs> honestly like waking up like the uk national series was always like starting at like 9 a.m and waking up at like five and shoveling porridge in your face is literally i wouldn't wish that on anyone okay but how <laughs> funny was brody chapman's instagram story yesterday with marta cavalli oh <laughs> 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 uh, for anyone who missed yeah. it they they're obviously they, the riders who are doing both races aren't coming go, aren't going home in between the two because burgo starts on thursday 
and uh, Julia ended on Sunday, so there's just like not a ton of time. They're like kind of close together, so there's no need to. And, <laughs> and they got served like a bowl of two different kinds of pasta, which is sacrilege. Yeah, if you're Italian, that's pretty rough. <laughs> But it was such a funny story. Oh, my God. I cracked up. <laughs> <sighs> I just think it's so funny how Italians are so... I mean, I I guess, yeah, if, uh, if people use, like, that fake maple syrup that's, like, just made out of sugar that's, like, super thick and gross, then I feel like my heart breaks a little bit. So, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. I, can't, I, I was trying to think of an equivalent, and then I was like, when people drink the wrong tea... tea? Oh, what about when people might? Well, yeah, what about when, yeah? That's what I was gonna say. Get out. Yeah, when people put yeah, the tea oh, bag in the water so and then about microwave that. it. Microwaving water. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like bath water. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was gonna say Aussies are pretty much the ones that butcher everything, so I don't think we can say. Yeah. So, is there any other uh, is there any other things from Idzulia that are huge talking points? Do you think we covered we covered pretty much everything? There's, yeah, SC Works is really good, even when they're missing two riders. There's a lot of teams that are still kind of just edging up to the point where they'll be able to compete, but just need like a little bit of a bump. But it's very exciting going into the final races. I feel like that's a good summary of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So coming up, we've got the Volta a Burgos, the four-day race. Last year, we did daily pods. I wish we could do that again, but it will not be this year. Maybe for another race later down the road. I got to talk Kaylee into that, but it, it was fun last year. Mm. Um, especially the Rider Diaries. Neven, yeah. Neven <laughs> and Anna Shackley were so funny last year. <laughs> the two of them. Uh, so we've got Volta Burgos, May 19th to the 22nd. Just like a really quick rundown of the stages. The first, it's not as challenging as last year. Last year, there was a lot more climbing in every stage. But this year, the first two stages are rolling, but not not really. I I can see the first stage coming down to a sprint or at least a reduced bunch sprint. The second stage has a cat three, like two thirds of the way into the race and an 800 meter relatively steep lump at the end, near the end, but is still flat to the finish. So the first two stages are relatively tame. The third stage features a slightly uphill drag to the line and a 4.1 K long category three, 27 kilometers from the finish. And stage four is very similar to last year with a massive like 7.9 kilometer long climb with like 5% at the bottom and 10% at the top average. Um, so the GC will be decided on the fourth stage and the first three stages are pretty wide open for riders to take. Last year we had that really weird second stage where uh, I think it was a Kogas Mettler rider attacked in the, in the final couple K and, and rode away solo and nobody, nobody saw that coming. It's just like super random. Yeah. Um, so that's, those are the stages we got. I think going into the race, there's really only one rider for me. That's like the rider to watch and that's Volering. But like I said earlier, it will be interesting to see if SD works gives Ashley a little bit more leeway with that final climb, especially because I'm still not convinced Volering can be as good on a longer climb. We know that she is good at climbing, but the climbs at Julia were pretty, were relatively short compared to the final climb at Burgos. So I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how she goes on that longer climb, especially because that'll be a really interesting test of how she can climb a longer climb for the Giro and against Van Vluten in the future. It will be a great last day. We're not going to have Van Vluden. Um, it's a shame that she's not there, but attacking like she did last year, um, she just kept attacking, attacking, basically broke everyone, right? Um, or was it Anna that was there? It was Anna. It was the two of them. Yeah. Anna and her. And then basically Anna outrode her at the finish. Um, but not having Anna or Anna Meek will be just, I think, great for Peloton to see who steps up. Um, it's the first really long climb of the year. So 
I think the door is still a bit wide open. I agree. I'm, I think Volering maybe has a little bit of a head start to everybody, but I, I wouldn't feel comfortable being like, oh yeah, she definitely has this. She was third last year on the final climb. Um, I remember her and Anna had like some pretty good teamwork situation going in because uh, it was the two of them kind of versus Van Vluten. But actually, Paulina Rarekis was fourth last year on that final climb, uh, only like yeah. 15 seconds behind Demi. And I think she's riding a lot better this year. So that that's interesting. We also will have Cec- Cecily Utrup Ludwig is finally back. She's racing Durango Durango today. So... I'm curious to see how she's climbing, especially how she's because she's had like such a long time away from the races. And I think I have a theory that riders who've had COVID already, like a lot of them, I think are more susceptible to having one really bad day during a stage race. I don't know. I think that might apply more to the men's because they have 21 long day long stage races. But I'm curious to see if that impacts the women at all because so many riders have had COVID now. It's already ripped through the men, hasn't it, in the beginning of the season? Yeah, so I'm curious to see if COVID, if having had COVID affects riders going into this, like Kasia, for example, and, and Cecily and how that goes. But there's definitely a lot of riders who are coming into this race very fresh. And some riders who are obviously coming in off the back of it, Julia. So how will those two approaches affect the way that the final climb is played out? Is Elisa lining up this weekend? Longo Borghini? I'm not sure. Yeah. It's a little, yeah, a little early for the start list. There's like, there's still not really a full start list. Yeah. 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 I would, I wouldn't be surprised if she did, honestly, because she's had like a good block of training. It's been now. a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I think with a climb like the final climb even though she's not really like a pure climber but she would be their best bet on a on a climb like that, that Trek would want her to go. Yeah. Especially to kind of salvage what happened in um it's Yeah. Although mm. Trek is pretty excited about Ellen's hour record and uh and obviously like really aiming for the the two big ones coming up the Giro and the Tour so and they had a they had a pretty okay spring. it was fine they only won four <laughs> four of seven or whatever four of no four of ten <laughs> if you want a full rundown of the Burgos uh, course and riders to watch check out Amy's previews to come later this week on cyclingtips.com what a great website. <laughs> Lace this week, as in maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't put a day on it. But like that was a bit of pressure. <laughs> Amy, are you interviewing Ali today? Is that her name? Yeah. Ali Wollaston? Yeah. I feel like she needs a shout out. I was, I don't know if anyone watched it. I was on Zwift and so I watched the replay of, was it Moraban or however you say yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, and it was just super impressive. So she was in the final kilometers with uh, two FDJ riders, uh, the very good young Italian talent, uh, Victoria maybe, and um, Grace Brown. And she managed to win from from that group. That's embarrassing. So, two against one. Yeah, they were <laughs> like, this ride was really impressive. All right, and she was closing the gaps, and then she still managed to to win the finale. So she's had some yeah. good results. I think she won a stage or at least a podium in the Tour of Bretagne. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's with that next-gen team with Yolinda Hora. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that name. Yeah. Ali. Wollaston? Wollaston, yeah. 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 One for the Kiwis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did those French races a little oh, two or three years ago and even though they're small races, they're quite hard. It's quite hilly and it's a difficult finish. So it, it's, a, it's a good result, especially against the, the good riders at that pointy end of the bike race with her. Mm-hmm. And a French team at French races, they're always a little, they've always got a little bit more like 
motivation <laughs> when you're French mm-hmm. team at a French race. Pressure's on for the Tour de France. Didn't see the start list, but when I did those races, there was so many riders there. It felt like the scariest race I've ever done because it's like, <laughs> like the peloton was like 200 riders. <laughs> That's like um, sometimes those check races. They just yeah. like every team shows up from every small team and it's just chaos. <laughs> yeah. That stage race in Czech is so fun. Which one? Gracia or um, the one in July? The one in July. Yeah, I've done both of them. They're both quite fun, but the one in July is a little more. It's so beautiful too. And I just like, I love stage races where they've got like the, the wheel situation going where you stay in one hotel for the whole time and all the stages are kind of close by. Mm. It's super, yeah, it's really nice. Nice for teams, nice for staff, nice for riders. The Giro has some like monster transfers this year. The women's Giro? Yeah. Oh, what were you saying, Rosie? Before we, oh, just speaking of Czech, I just wanted to give a shout out to Aussie mountain biker, Beck McConnell, McConnell, winning three out of three World Cups this year in cross-country mountain bike. That is insanely impressive. And I think she's the fifth woman ever to have done a hat trick like that. So, yeah, very cool. And I think she's had a bit of a tough time lately so it's really cool to see her coming out the other side and you know doing career best results yeah amazing and i think so the the first win she got this year was her first ever world cup win Mm -hmm. Brazil, and then she's just carried that momentum i've been following her i think since she showed up to our road nationals 10 years ago or something as um an under 23 maybe the first year and i was like who is this little rider um, because my friend Emily Roper was competing against her and uh, she was trying to beat her for the under 23 jersey. But uh, it's been really amazing to follow her journey. And, you know, she's very open on social media about um, everything that's going on with her. Uh, she's spoken about mental health and burnouts. And, um, yeah, it's just been it's nice to see particularly for Aussie mountain biking. They're finally getting a bit more support and funding. So I think the future, she's paving the future for future generations. I just love that every time she wins, she's like still shocked. So, yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, her, yeah, nice. her win this week was like, I mean, she, she really won. I mean, last week also, like she, from the start of the race, she was the strongest and all the way through to the end. She just rode away yeah. and yeah. then stayed away the whole race. But she's still just like, she finishes and she's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see how she would perform on the road, but I'm pretty sure she's just not interested. No. <laughs> we'll mm. never know. Let, oh, no. Mountain biking is way more Let fun anyway. stay. Yeah. 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 She can stick to the cooler sport. I'll admit that. <laughs> yeah what were you thinking gracie oh <laughs> uh, i was just never cut out to be top level mountain biker i was always better on the road <laughs> it's just less cool you made the right choice and now you can do it in your your free time <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did say we would talk more about mountain biking this year people asked people on velo club asked if we would talk about mountain biking more this year well so- maybe the next episode well grace we have an expert here so um, well we, we have a a, a new on the ground expert reporter <laughs> guys just because i was there doesn't mean i know what was going on it'd be fun actually if you, you can't got, get like, using that as an excuse are you going to any more world cups you should get an interview or two and um, so i'm actually, I'm actually going to try and interview back um probably not in person though um but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to a few, probably Andorra because it's just up the road. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure, but um, but yeah, it's uh, Novinesto is just really cool because there was so many people there watching. Like the crowds are ridiculous, even for the women's race too. Even though there was quite a big gap between the men's and the women's races. Yeah, I know um, a Dutch guy that drove across for it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, I was talking to him the day before he was leaving, and I was like, "You're driving to check because I've done that drive before from Belgium. It's long. <laughs> it's a long drive." 
So super keen. I think that was the last World Cup he's ticking off his list of, of going out to view. Um, and he was very proud to tell me that he's ridden with Anami Van Vluden. But her skills are terrible, so he's not surprised she broke her oh. wrist. Nah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was on a mountain bike when she did it. Yeah, she was. It's true. She was mountain biking when she, when she broke her wrist. No? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. she was. Yeah, yeah. Iris. yeah. With Iris. Yeah. Mm-mm. It was, but it yeah. looked really pretty, like, this week. This weekend. It looked just gorgeous where you were. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Honestly. I So Sam was like, you need to take your bike. And I was going to the UK before and I was like, you know what? I can't be bothered to do that. And he was like, no, no, you need to take it. So I like logged this like ancient bike box that like doesn't go great <laughs> between like three different airports. And I was moaning my bag off the whole time. And then I got there and went for one ride and I was like, yeah, okay, okay I get it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, you have to get a mountain or it was a road bike, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a mountain bike. Yeah, next, on that. next one you go to, even if you hire one. Um, I'll be in Val de Sol in two weeks. So I'm excited to to see what that's all about. Ooh. Oh, I'm jealous. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opening weekend for the the lifts. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I see it. Yes. Well, I'm going to I'm going to end this Fun. podcast episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping this in, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Thanks everybody so much for listening. We'll be Good back jokes. next week to talk about the Vuelta a Burgos, Volta a Burgos, and hope you have a great week. If you have been listening to this while you're riding Zwift, hopefully you had an awesome ride with some good company. Maybe some efforts. Oh. Oh, why not?